Zansi's sporting milestones, moments and stories. Flashback Fridays with Tabiso Musia. So, you know, we like to catch up with our former sports stars or sports stars of yesteryear. And uh, we hijacked uh, Darren Buckley at the last minute here and he agreed to come to studio to join us. We appreciate that, Darren. Good evening uh, from us on SAFM. Thank you for joining us. Good evening, Tabisa. People are waiting for you. They <laughs> have they? been uh, tweeting, uh, tweeting, waiting to hear from you. The first common question every time we do this feature, they want to know what, what are you up to at the moment? Well, actually, uh, since I retired in 2013, I've been doing lots of things. And uh, I have my own soccer academy called the Darren Buckley Soccer School. Mm. I coach uh, kids from six years until 16. And that's been uh, open for the past two years. And through the soccer academy, I give uh, kids free scholarships to America ah. to go study. I have contact with 360 colleges in the USA. Mm. So I've sent about 10 kids already. And, and what kind of support do you have for, for an academy like this? Are you doing everything yourself? Well, my biggest sponsor is Soliem. They sponsor me uh-huh. all the equipment and the, the, the clothes for the kids to use their training. But besides that, everything just comes from um, people sponsoring, donation or whatever to help the kids go over and uh, study and play their sport in, in the USA. And, and what will give you joy satisfaction with this academy? What are you hoping to achieve? Well, I want to give back, especially to the kids yeah, in South Africa, to teach them the proper way, the proper way to play the game football. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're, laughing, you're laughing. Because uh, to be honest with you, you know, when I see club level development, there's a lot of things that are missing. The kids don't learn um, the proper way, like to you know, to to control the ball, mm. to pass the ball ten minutes into space behind the defenders to run onto it. They don't know all these things. They don't get teach. So all these gaps, I try fill in with my soccer school, and it's working. It's working perfectly. It's working good. I have uh, a mixture, girls mm-hmm. and boys. So uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so it's fun. So uh, the good thing is that when you get someone that comes to my soccer academy that has never kicked a ball, mm. after about three months, their child can kick a ball. It's unbelievable. It's and a, it's amazing how much they learn at the soccer ca- soccer academy because they see other kids doing it yeah. and how easy it is. And at which age do you start them? From six years. From six years. Yeah. Is that the right age to start? Well, it's you know to be honest with you, it is the right age because um, from from the age of six until nine, in between these two ages, is where the the kid is still playful. Yeah. So what we do, we I have a two hour session yeah. of of training. So those those kids in between these age groups from six until nine, they don't train the full two hours. They'll only train about an hour. And after 30 minutes of showing them technique, skills, and all that, yeah. it becomes a game sh- a game session. After after thirty minutes, because after thirty minutes they lose concentration. Uh-huh. But the big ones, are, you know, you keep on pushing him, you keep on showing him the basics, the skills, and uh, well, I say from from twelve until sixteen, they train the full two hours. Well, Darren, you've had an incredible career. I mean, we heard about you when you were overseas already. Uh, you were in Germany already. And I mentioned at the top of the show that Gordon Egerson told us that he took you to Germany. He said you were sixteen. At the time, how did that move happen? And is that correct first? <laughs> yes, it's correct. <laughs> it is correct. Um, back in the days, I played, I played for a club called Ramblers, and Gordon Nickerson's son used to play for Ramblers too. And whenever I used to play, I think his son used to play after us. So Gordon used to come with his son mm-hmm. to the games, watch our game first, and then watch his son game. And he discovered this Darren Buckley, this young boy, 12, left footer. 12, left footer. So I think he followed me for the few years. And then when he got the, the coaching job at Manning Rangers, mm-hmm. Gordon wanted to sign me for Manning Rangers. But I had a grandfather that was very, very hard to convince. 
Uh, and Gordon came to my house and tried. He wanted to sign me up. My grandfather refused. He said the only contract uh, Darwin will sign is a contract overseas. So six months later, mm. Gordon came back and said uh, to my grandfather, Mr. Buckley, I have a, a contract, a child for your, your grandson to go to Germany and try his luck. And that's when my grandfather gave him all the authority to take me over in 94 with the age of 16. And only because you were going overseas? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And did he immediately take you to, to, to Bochum with the other teams that you were trying at? No, actually, the first team I trialed, I trialed with was uh, called Rotweiss Essen in uh-huh. Essen. They were in the second division at the time. And when I went, I went for two weeks, which was very difficult because at the time, you know, uh, Germany wasn't a cosmopolitan country. No mm. one spoke English. Mm. But if you go to Germany today, every single person speaks English. So in 94, I go to Germany, no one speaks English. I can't communicate with the players. It was difficult. And Plus, you're 16. it was sixteen. Plus, it was cold. Yeah, it was minus ten degrees, and every every week by week, the the, the degrees were decrease, decreasing mm. by minus twenty <laughs> and so on. So it became difficult. But then after two weeks, I went to uh, Schalke Nulfia. I was one week on trial there, and then from there I went to Vorfeld Bochum, and then uh, the first day of my trial at Vorfeld Bochum at the under seventeens. We played this game, 11 against 11. My first contact, I dribbled three, five players, scored. I looked around. The coach was gone. You <laughs> didn't see the, that. You didn't see it. You ran to the management. <laughs> they came back and I had to sign a contract. Oh. Yeah. On the spot. Wow. And I'm interested to find out then, in Germany, who were you living with? How were you ad- ad- adapting? How were you adjusting? Well, when I signed my first deal with Vorfeld Bochum, they put me with a, with a family together, a German family. Uh, and I lived with them for about a year, which wasn't easy because, as I said, the communication was yeah. hands and feet. was no English. And after a year, I decided to, um, with the age of the end of 17, turning 18, to find my own apartment. And I started living by myself. And that's how I grew myself through. Okay, well, for those who just joined us, we're catching up with Delron Barkley. You can call us on 0891-104207 if you have a comment. Our SMS line is 41391, and we do take WhatsApp voice notes on 061-4104107. And we just spoke about Gordon Egerson, and guess what? We've got Gordon Egerson. Let's hear from Gordon Egerson. Yeah, I think I saw Delron Barkley playing as a young 17, 16 and a half, 17-year-old player, I saw him play in the park one day, and I said to myself, sure, this boy's got some unbelievable ability. You know, he was a left-footed player, he had huge and huge of t- uh, amount of talent, and he had a great left foot. And I had some very, very good contacts in Germany. So, you know, I saw this boy, and I said to myself, this boy needs to go overseas. And uh, we created the opportunity for him. I signed up some connections in, in Germany, and uh, Karl Ampf is the president of FC Bochum. And uh, he was very keen to have a look at Dalron. So after maybe six or seven months of just private coaching with Dalron, we, we worked on the field every day, day in and day out to get him there. Eventually he was super, super fit and in great condition and uh, had a great attitude as well. And he was ready to go. And so I made the phone call and together Dalron and I traveled to Germany and uh, we got on this trial with FC Bochum and um, immediately he made an impact. You know, uh, you could just see the talent was oozing out of him. And um, the biggest problem we had at that stage was that uh, Dalron was not able to be in Germany at the age of 17 or 18 because, number one, he never had played enough games for the national team. He's a totally unknown player. I don't think he had kicked the ball professionally before ever, anywhere. He went straight to Germany. And uh, Karl Ampf had to make some kind of arrangements to keep him in the country and we had to speak to his grandparents at that time who were... Uh, were obviously looking after Dalron, and it was decided that uh, Carl Ump would become the guardian 
for Dialon Bakri during this period of time so he could stay there. And it was all agreed, and Carl Ant, uh, president of the, of the, of the club, uh, signed guardianship to have Dialon there. And uh, from that day on, Dialon never looked back. He never disappointed. He made us all very, very proud. So, as Gordon Nickerson says, I guess the rest then was history. I think it's a very similar story then uh, to exactly uh, what you, you what what you told us. And and I'm interested to find out, Delrin, before you left. I mean, did you have ambitions of being pro of going overseas? Did you see it coming so quickly? Also, well, um, as I was growing up, I only had one thing in, in my head was to be a professional footballer, mm. no matter what it takes. But my actually my dream was in Germany. It was. Uh, UK. Oh. But things took a turn and went to Germany and I had to take it how it came and I did. And, uh, you know, I'm so grateful that I played 19 years in Germany for yeah. the biggest clubs like Vorfeld, Bochum, Borussia, Dortmund, FC Basel, Mainz. And, uh, up till today, I mean, uh, uh, three weeks ago I was invited to a Legends game in Germany ah. to play with uh, all the big famous guys for the German national team like yeah. Lothar Matthäus. And Stefan Kunz, who's now the the coach for the under twenty one team mm. for the for the German team at the World Cup, and it was good to see all these guys, you know, to meet up with them. But it was also quite funny because uh, when when I was playing with them, they were all thin. Now when you go that side, <laughs> they were like exploded. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it was it was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Let's go to the line. Silo has already called us from Mokopane. Silo, good evening. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks, 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 member, and thanks for taking my call. Look. Um, I, I want to find out, Darren, what do you think is um, Bafana Bafana problems? Could, could, can we all only blame the coach or this um, uh, uh, hand in hand with uh, the players and the technical, technical staff and so forth and so forth? And, and, and lastly, what did you learn from overseas that you... Um, uh, teach us here in the country or uh, something like that. Okay, nice. Loud and clear there. Thank you for Silo in Mokopane. And I actually did say off air before we spoke, Darren, that I saw um, uh, an article you were quoted in where you were saying that Bafana went as bad as everybody made them out to be and against the Ivory Coast. But how do you respond to Silo's question? What is the issue? Well, the first issue I would say, the biggest problem, you can't blame the national team because uh, if a tree grows, where does it start? At the bottom, all right? At your, root, uh, your grassroots. So the biggest problem in Africa is development. We're not in development. We're not developing enough football, young, talented players mm. because the opportunities are not there. And believe, believe me, I'm, I'm a coach at a castle team mm. and the corruption that goes on there. Oh, we were talking about that today. It's unbelievable. Actually. It's unbelievable. Sometimes I want to pull my hair, my hair out because you get these lads coming in week in, week out training with them. Mm. Then they go to these games and before you even put our foot onto the, on the field, you know you're going to lose this game. So this kills the motivation of the young lighties that want to develop their football and be, and be stars because they can see all the corruption that's going on. That's why I think where the biggest problem is. That's why you, you cannot blame Bafana for, um, for all, I mean, for, for not producing at the moment because it's been like this for the past years. So if you, if you can turn that table and get that right, like the Germans do, that's why mm. it wasn't coincidence why the Germans won the World Cup mm. in, uh, in, in, in Brazil. In 2014. In 2014, because they had a 10 year of restructured. De- development, restructured yeah. of, of young development players to groom them up to come into this team to win this World Cup. Mm. And that's what I think Safa should do too. And those were the same players in the junior the teams, in the under-21s, in the exactly. under-19s, and then when exactly. they came through the system. Exactly. Second question was, what did you learn in Germany? 
Well, I learned a lot. I learned to play. I, I learned to be disciplined. Um, we know the Germans are really cold-hearted, so the minute you put your foot onto the field, no one's your friend. Yeah, you got, you Especially got to, if you're not from there. Exactly. You've got to kill the opposition by all means to mm. try and win. And that was good for me because when I came with that mentality back to Bafana, I only had one thing in my head is the minute I put that jersey on, I just want to kill who's in front of me and win that game. That's how we had a lot of success at my time. Mm. And um, when I saw the game against Ivory Coast when Bafana played, that's why when, I, when all the criticism the people on, on Twitter talking yeah. about, it was very harsh because they did, they did play good football. I was just disappointed that they didn't show Ivory Coast that we are here, you know, because mm. Ivory Coast were kicking the shit out of them. Mm. They were putting elbows in, and you could mm. see our players were very scared. Mm. Why? They gave them too much respect. Exactly. They gave them too much respect. So I would have got back, stuck in, back into them, show them, kick them, and with all means, try and win the game, and then pff, probably would have happened. You were talking about the corruption in the, in, the, in, in the lower leagues. Today I was told the story of a team. I, I won't mention where because I want to follow up the story. But going into the last game of the season, they were second. They were 32 goals behind number one. And guess what? They won the last match 33 0. That's nothing new. Tell me. They uh, got promoted. Exactly. Unbelievable. Yeah. Let's yeah. go to uh, Cabello. Cabello has called us. Is he coming out of Lesotho? Cabello, good evening. Erra. Uh, erra. Have not. I have not. I have not. Husband, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. I have a prayer. We want so in you. What a prayer. Um, <laughs> listening to Coach Gordon, I guess, and he mentioned two important discipline and uh, fitness. You know, and uh, I've got a question here. You, yes, you mentioned that you were in Germany, Bochum, you played for Dortmund, you played everywhere, and the temperatures were minus 10 and everything, but you still stayed. Now we have the likes of our players who we thought they were the best players in PSL, like Andy Lejali, Manyama, coming back without even making up to their names or living up to their names. What do you think is the stumbling block here that might even try, to, uh, that pushes our players to come back home without even making up to their names? Because if I look at the AFCON, most teams that win AFCON, you'll find 9 to 10 players are playing to Europe or any other leagues, top, top leagues. So maybe if Bafana can have at least 10 players playing in Europe, maybe we'll win the, Af- uh, the AFCON again. So what, what's the problem? I'll listen over the radio. Okay, thank you, Cabello. Why are our players coming back so early, Darren? It's the same question I was asking myself because... <laughs> <laughs> Is it a concern? Back in, uh, you know, back in, when we were playing, you know, the majority of the players that were playing in the Bafana team were all playing overseas. Yeah. And they were determined to, uh, to succeed and put out their name out there in Europe, which they did. Because if you look at the, ben- the, the likes of uh, Darren Buckley, yeah. Benny McCarthy, yeah. Clinton Forge and so on. It's just a pity that these players, after a few years overseas, come back. And I think the biggest problem because they feel very comfortable in their comfortable zone in South Africa. Mm. Because now in South Africa, you have the nice weather and the league is not so uh, intense. You can go to Chisanyama. Exactly. And if it's only one or two games where you're going to have to just give 100%, the rest not, and then you're getting paid big money. So they ought to come back and, and, and be in this comfortable zone where there's no stress and where there's no um, heavy criticism because in Europe, if you have a bad game, you don't get one or two fans cr- uh, criticizing you. Mm. You get, at me at Dortmund, if I didn't produce, mm. I had 90,000 people at the game, not even after the game, they <laughs> went out shopping. It was, it was impossible. Uh, they will call you names, put at you, throw stones at you, you're not producing. This will never happen in South Africa. So that's why I say the players, why they come back, because they like, they like this comfortable zone, which is very really sad because 
uh, you know, playing overseas, it's, it's, it's big. It's big. It's, there's nothing mm. better because you learn a lot. You get to play Champions League. If you do play Champions League, you wait for cup. You get to meet big, na- big names. You get, to, you get to play against quality players. And um, as I said, it's, for me, it's just, it's just sad and it's a pity that these players come back. Okay, if you've just joined us, we're talking to Dalvin Barkley. The lines are open 0891-104-207. WhatsApp voice notes 061-4104-107. We'll take a quick break and we'll come back after this. I'm still looking for the starting lineup of Bafana Bafana. As soon as we get it, we'll share it with you. Zanzi's sporting milestones, moments and stories. Flashback Fridays with Tabiso Musia. And we are still catching up with Delron Buckley. You will not believe this, Delron. I'm being told by the producer, Luyolo, that there is a voice note from someone from Germany who found out that Delron was on the show and they want to share a memory of Delron. Even I don't believe it. Let's play it, Luyolo. Hey, this is Julius Eid from Germany calling. And I'm from the German football site 90plus.de and also a very big Dortmund supporter and this is why I'm here today. I've heard that Darren Buckley is in your radio station right now. So first of all, hello from Germany to South Africa and hello to Darren Buckley from a Dortmund supporter. And I'm supposed to say some words about his time in Dortmund. And what first comes to my mind, it's maybe the strongest memory I have uh, of Darren Buckley. It isn't even a sports memory in the first place. It's when uh, he was uh, going to have his uh, 30th birthday and it was greatly um, celebrated in front of the yellow wall. And that's a moment I strongly remember when I think back uh, to that time because uh, the whole stadium was singing happy birthday to him. I believe it was his uh, 30th birthday. I guess that's right. And that's a very strong um, memory I have about Darren Buckley in... That is incredible. That is incredible. I'm sorry I didn't get your name, but I'll I'll get Loyola to just type me out the name. Do you remember that? Wow. <laughs> Do you even know who that is? Uh, <laughs> there's so many fans. Yeah. <laughs> huh? But I'll never forget that because I remember that never ever happened, never in the Bundesliga, mm. that fans sang happy birthday for a player. Mm. I remember we were playing Bielefeld. Mm. And, and Bielefeld. Yeah, and we were winning 4-0 and the coach decides to put me on. And as I came on, the stadium speaker says, yeah, Darren Buckley today, 7th of December, is turned 30 years old. And you got 90,000 started singing happy birthday. That is incredible. I'm actually getting goosebumps now. That is incredible. Hey, <laughs> and and thank you for this voice note. I don't know how oh. you found it or how you found us, but I guess that is the power of social media. Uh, still on that note, you spent nine seasons at, at, at Borkham. How do you look back at those seasons before you moved to, to Bielefeld, was it? Yeah, I moved to Beautiful, yes. The nine seasons I played there, that's where I started my football career. And um, it was like a roller coaster because there I, I had also uh, my um, I had uh, my ICL ligaments mm-hmm. torn, which I was one year out. Then I broke my kneecap in half. So in those nine years, there were lots of things happening. Plus my first goal for Vorfeld Bochum, which I scored, was against Borussia Dortmund. Mm. In Borussia Dortmund, we won 1-0. And from there, everything just moved up and down. Uh, I met my wife also in Bochum. We're still together for oh. 20 years now. And after Bochum, I went to Bielefeld, which uh, I was the second highest goal scorer in Bielefeld, which I had a great season. I scored 15 goals in one. In that was 04 05. 04 05. Yes, yeah. we all remember that season. And then from there, I went to Bruce Dortmund for four years. And then from Dortmund to FC Basel. 
from Basel. I went to uh, Mainz for six months to help them get promoted into the Bundesliga from second division. Then I went. Uh, where did I go to after that? Oh yeah, Cyprus. Cyprus. I went Cyprus, to Cyprus yeah. for one for one season. Then came back and then played for Karlsruhe for one and a half years. And and how do you look at your time at, at Dortmund? How was it playing for for a club like Dortmund? Was it just before Jurgen Club came? Well, the first year, the first season I went there, Jurgen Club wasn't there. It uh-huh. was Bert van Meijerwerk. He was the the Holland coach. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, 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 yes. I remember Bert van Meijerwerk. Yes, I know. But the first season wasn't pleasant for me because I wasn't producing, I wasn't playing well, and I had the fans on my back. So uh, the first, as I said, the first season at Dortmund wasn't pleasant. But the second season is where my everything just picked up. Mm. I started playing football of my life, top football, and now left back got injured, and I started playing left back uh-huh. for six months from a left winger from a left winger to mm. a left back. And playing left back, I was probably four times man of the match. And then the fans started loving me, and we made it to the cup final of of the the German Cup, but we lost against Bayern Munich. And uh, yeah, then things just picked up. Then another two years, and then went to FC Basel, won the Swiss Cup, and the league. And after that, yeah, to Cyprus. So, so were you there, Dortmund, when Jürgen Klopp was there, or did yes, you leave just there. before he came? I was there. For two years, he was my coach. For two years, he was. And how was it working? Was it the same Jürgen Klopp that we're seeing now at Liverpool? The same Jürgen Klopp. The same. He was. For me, one of the best coaches, you know, the, his tactics, the way he trains. But his most powerful thing is motivating players. Mm. The way he'll speak to you. He'll speak to you in such a way that you'll run through a wall for him, even if you're sitting on the bench. Mm. That's how he is. Wow. Yeah. Okay, and on that note, we're going to actually go now to Germany at live because this is one interview that I know about. And German football writer Kevin Sheeran joins us on the line. Kevin, good evening from us on SAFM in South Africa. Thank you for speaking to us. Uh, greetings from Germany. We have Delron Buckley here. What what goes through your mind when we say Delron Buckley? Delron Buckley for me is uh, one of the trailblazers of South African soccer football in Germany, I think, with uh, Sean Dundee, one, one of the two that I think many German football fans uh, remember. And what is it about Delron that they remember or that they appreciated? I think his um, his will to succeed, his um, his speed, and his aggressive style of defending while he was was a left back, very very much aggressive, but but also fair. And uh, he had a good left uh, he had a good good left shot, I would say. Mm. And obviously, when he went to Germany, nobody knew about him. But what do you make of, of just the way that he, he, his, his career progressed when he was in Germany? I mean, he played for a number of clubs that side, including Borussia Dortmund, which you've just spoken about. Yeah, but uh, for me personally, I, I, I always remember him for being in Bochum. Um, yeah. I think this was, was, his first, was his first station here in Germany. And yes. there is one, there, there's, there's one game uh, I always will remember. It was against Schalke. I don't know if it was your birthday, Delron, but uh, you, you scored, you, you scored the 2-1 uh, against Schalke. I came on last five minutes and it was 1-1. Yeah. Am I right? And I scored the winning this, goal too. <laughs> yeah. In Schalke's this, face. <laughs> yeah, this this was I I I, always, I will always remember that game because you were able to to make the difference and and this started in Bochum and and uh, this this is where I I remember him from the most actually because yeah, it was his nice. first his first station in Germany and it was a good station for him I think and is it still held in high regard that side? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
And just on that note, while we have you out of interest, you mentioned Sean Dundee. Which other South Africans do they talk about in Germany, Kevin, while we've got you on the line? Uh, I think in Germany there was uh, Zibo Zizo Zuma. Ah, I wow. knew that one. I knew it. <laughs> uh, played, played in Bielefeld. Yes. Uh, and and I, I think those are the three South African players that uh, are mostly known in the in the Bundesliga. Okay, great stuff, Kevin. Thank you for speaking Thanks, to Kevin. us. We just Danke schön, Kevin. Alles klar. Schön, mal mehr zu hören. <laughs> oh, he's gone. I wanted him to respond. Sorry about that. Uh, but thanks, Kevin, a Bundesliga German football writer joining us live all the way from uh, Germany. We're not done yet. We're going to wrap up after this break. Tabiso Musia on SAFM. We are wrapping up our conversation with Darren Buckley. Darren, I want to bring it back home now. Uh, I mentioned that, I mean, people didn't know about you. You left when you were 16, went to Germany, and then you made a name for yourself there, and then you came back, and then you played for Bafana Bafana. And the headline was screaming. <laughs> Do you remember it? Of course I remember it. Who is this Paluka? <laughs> uh, it was before the World Cup 98. Before I got 98. For the last, I think, 30 players they had to select. Yeah. And there's, there was this one reporter was just on my number the whole time in, in the papers. Who is this Paluka? And the funniest thing, they had a press conference. And Philip Trosset, the coach, yes. after, after the press conference, I think he wanted to punch the guy. They had to hold him back and stop him. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 did that bother you that they were saying who's this Paloka? Did you, you even know, know what Paloka meant? The thing is that I don't, you, have to, you know, I don't, I still don't care what people say about me mm. because uh, I, I just wanted to please my country and uh, you know to to be part of the the, the the Bafana team to go to the World Cup '98 for me it was something big. I didn't expect I was going to play because I was one of the youngest players in in the team at the moment because you had Lucas Adebe, Mark Fish, mm. all these guys that are playing for top clubs overseas, and I was just. 20-year-old, 21-year-old uh, player in between all these big names and stars. And uh, I mean, I must thank those guys because I've, I've learned a lot from them, mm. being around them, you know, the, uh, the, the mentality and all that kinds of things that helped me through my football career. Let's go to the voice note. I believe we've got a voice note that's come through, Loyolo. Okay, maybe it's not ready. We're going to go to uh, that voice note. But how do you look back at your Bafana career? I mean, Minantla mentioned that you played at two World Cups. You're also at AFCON. Uh, are you happy with your international career? You know, I'm very, very happy. There was nothing better than putting a national T-shirt on your body. And mm. I know back in the days in Germany, it was very difficult because every time the national team used to play, it was yeah. the same time as the club yes. was playing. Yes, and AFCON was during the season yes. also. and then the clubs didn't want didn't to let you go. And I was one of those players, you know what, you're not gonna you're not gonna keep me. I'm jumping on a plane, going to play for my country because for me there was something big. That's yeah. why I always came to play. And it, it hurt me because when I came to play for my country and I went back to play for for club level, I would be sat on the on, on the bench, left out in the stadium, then it took another three or four weeks until I got back into the team and started playing again. But I didn't care because as I said, for me the national team was I'm I'm, I'm representing my country. There's nothing better than to represent your country. Mm. That's why for me, there was no no brainer coming and playing for your country. Okay, let's go to that voice notes. We've got them. Hi, good evening. This is Francis. Uh, I got a brother who is uh, 17 years and he's very skillful. He's played very nice and good football. And I'm just asking how can he help this guy because age man, 
Uh, I want to see this boy going high in his football career. He loves soccer, he loves everything about football. Uh, so uh, how can he help me uh, to, to, to get this boy uh, in tune? Thank you. D-Bucks, Darren Buckley, great guy to be around with. Good professional on and off the field. Always had a, 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 a smile and always made jokes when you when you're around him. Uh, but just on a personal note, he, had, he was a great uh, senior to me. I was a young player when I just came into the Bafana setup. Helped me a lot. And also when we traveled together, it was great being around him. So, but uh, on the pitch, you know, he had his always has moments. Could have always make a good uh, decision when he had the ball. Great crossing. And I'm happy to see that he's giving back now to the to the to the youth with his coaching clinics. And uh, he just done a book also now. Never read it yet because he promised me he's going to give me one. I'm still waiting for it. Uh, okay, thank you. Does that voice sound familiar? It sounds very familiar. Lance Davids, I'm told. It's Lance Davids. Yes. <laughs> Lance Davids. No. Nice one, Lance. Was he in Germany at the same time as you? Because uh, he was a bit younger. He was he was younger. But at the time when I was I was professional, I was playing Bundesliga and mm. Lance Davids was, was playing for the development for eighteen sixty Munich. Uh-huh. So when we came to play eighteen sixty Munich, the first team in Munich Lance was one of the ball boys around. So he would come to me and, hey, I'm South African and so on. And I always give him my T-shirt yeah. because, yeah, because, you know, when someone speaks uh, English, you, you, can hear this, you, can, you can hear they from South Africa. Yeah? And from Cape Town. And from Cape Town. There was a caller. I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of those. I've got a young boy who's playing, who's good. How do I help? What advice do you give them? Yeah, you know, every single day I get calls from people like that. And it's very, very difficult, especially here in South Africa, because you can't just take anyone overseas. First of all, as you heard with, with what Gordon Ingers had said, mm. that, uh, you know, the player has to play a national team of a certain amount of caps to get him to play in, in the UK or in Germany. It's not easy. That's why I said, you know, my soccer academy, I, I give kids scholarships to America because it's much easier for them to go study and play their sport, no matter what, if it's swimming, rugby, you name it, or, or soccer. Mm. For, my, for, for my advice for him, you know, wherever he is, um, try put him into a development team or try get him to one of the top development clubs for super, maybe super sport vets yeah. or so on and see how he copes, copes there because if a, if, a, if a young boy is talented, anyone will, will, will scope him out, mm. any team. Mm. You know, they will see his qualities and he will get raked in into ever into a PSL mm. or, or taken overseas. Finally, um, Lance spoke about your book. He hasn't read it. I remember you launched the book. There was a lot of fanfare. How did the book do and is it still available? Well, actually, it's not available anymore in the shops, but I do have books. I sold 2,500 books, mm. which was good for me. I have 500 books left, but I, wherever I go, I give people, if I do motivational talk, I give people. It was a very successful book because in that book, I speak about my ups and downs, good yeah. and bads, which helps young upcoming development footballers that you understand. Don't think because you have a talent, yeah. you're going to be good. It's they come with pros and cons. You got to be, you got to work hard. You got to eat healthy. You got to push yourself to limits to where you want to be because nothing yeah. just comes on a, on a silver plate for you. It's yeah. hard work. 
Okay, great stuff. We have to leave it there, Dalrin. Uh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. We even got a voice note from Germany. I still can't believe that. So you need to come back again so we can get more <laughs> listeners from Germany. But thank you for finding time to speak to us, Dalrin. We appreciate pleasure, it. Honor, That's it. That's it. I think it is 7 o'clock now. Bafana Bafana up against Namibia at 10. The starting lineup should come anytime now. Uh, so good luck to Bafana Bafana.